Hello, I'm Rob Beckett. And I'm Josh Whittacombe. Welcome to Parent in Hell, the show in which Josh and I discuss what it's really like to be a parent, which I would say can be a little tricky. So, to make ourselves, and hopefully you, feel better about the trials and tribulations of modern day parenting, each week we'll be chatting to a famous parent about how they're coping. Or hopefully how they're not coping. And we'll also be hearing from you, the listener, with your tips, advice, and, of course, tales of parenting woe. Because, let's be honest, there are plenty of times when none of us know what we're doing. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Hello, you're listening to Parenting Hell with... Martha, can you say Josh Widdicombe? Yeah. And can you say Rob Beckett? Yeah. Okay, thanks. There we go, that's a good one. Oh, fuck, I wasn't recording, Michael, is that all right? (laughs) Oh, you've changed since we've gone to Spotify. It's so slick now. It's like working with a different man. What, Michael? (laughs) No, you! I wasn't recording. I'm joking. Oh, right, sorry, yeah. Fuck it, hell. I'm knackered. <laughs> What's going on? What are you tired? Kids keeping you up? Not really. Working too much? Loads of shagging? What's up? What's going on? Loads of shagging. Loads of shagging. <laughs> just too much going out and shagging, is it? Let's just say this before we move on. This is Martha, who uh, is 17 months old. We live in Teddington, along with her one-month-old brother, Theo. <sighs> Special shout-out to my wife, Molly, who's been a superstar throughout it all. I'm working my way through the back catalogue and on to season four now. I've got no idea how many seasons we've done. No? It just seems to just be one long season to me. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you continue to be so very relatable. Cheers, Morgan. There we go. Yeah. So uh, this week I got the private jet to my gig and uh, <laughs> it was late, Josh. It was oh, a... <laughs> Um, no. um, I've got the school quiz this week, Rob. Oh, have you? Yeah. Oh, you're hosting? I'm hosting and writing the quiz. How do you feel about it? A bit nervous. <laughs> That's not like you. I was just <laughs> out of my comfort zone because it's not very funny. It's a quiz. And you're like, am I trying to be making this funny or am I trying to just do a quiz? Do you know what I mean? Right, so I say with a quiz, you write the write the questions straight. Yeah. Don't put any jokes no. in there, really. You could do a couple of, like, wacky ones, but I think sometimes that's a bit eggy. No one wants you fucking around with a no. quiz. They come out for the quiz, not for me going, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Keep the quiz the quiz. However, when you're doing answers, joking about the team names, oh, the team people names. will be chipping. You've got the skills to give them a bit of crap. Yeah, back. the team names is a good area. I've forgotten about the team names. Yeah, exactly. So I think team names, I think you'd be fine. So where is it? In the school? No, it's at a pub. It's at the pub. And how many people are coming? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> Have you sorted out the mic, the PA? There's a mic. Who's sorting that out? But the PTA. Oh. What? I just think, you know, with the PTA, the Parent Teachers Association, what I'd say is there's a lot of people in there. I'm in a group. There's a lot of voices. There's a lot of opinions. No, no, no. It's just one woman I'm dealing with. There'll be different people when you're there. When you're... <laughs> Can I predict what's going to happen? Yeah. You've this lovely lady that's put... It's not going to happen. It's been a very professional experience from start to finish. Yeah, of course. However, you'll be the person who's actually in charge, who's been dealing with you. When you get there... Hi, it's Sarah. I'm part of the PTA. Okay. You don't know who she is. This woman's just come up to you. Right. Well, we normally do that after the first question. Have you had a bad experience with the PTA, Rob? Oh, hang on. Hello, I'm... Da- hello, hello, hello. Stephen here from the PTA. Um, yeah, so when are you... What time is it starting, Josh? Eight. Oh, hello there. It's Claire from the PTA. We need to finish at 10 because a lot of people need to get the last train home. Oh, hi there. It's Paul from the PTA. Have you got the prizes? Oh, hi there. It's just... Have you had a bad experience, Rob? Just so... Have you had a bad experience? I haven't had a bad experience. Have you had a bad experience? However... No, no, no. Absolutely fine. Okay. It's difficult, isn't it, to uh, do this podcast and still go to school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. So you haven't had a bad experience. (laughs) Hypothetically, this could be an experience you'd had. All I'd say is... With any association, comms is always a problem. Right, okay, yeah, good, good. In any volunteer-based association. Or non-volunteer-based. Look at the problem Elon Musk is currently dealing with. (laughs) Exactly. I'm just saying, when it comes to the PTA, there's a lot of people giving up their time to help, and there's a lot of people that have opinions on how it should or should not be done. Well, I'll let you know how it goes. Do you want some questions? Yes, give me a quiz question. Okay, oh, I've, I've got them written in a book. Shall I go and grab the book? Have you written it on, right out on paper? Yeah, because I was in a cafe. Gosh. Do you remember when I had my two hours in the cafe? You took a little notebook. I had a book and I was Can like... Can I get your little book? And I was like, this is an <laughs> ideal chance to get this quiz knocked out. Right, okay, so you've rushed it out in two hours. No, I haven't, I haven't finished it. What was Take That's first number one? Never forget. Well, you did. Um, I'm all right. Oh, oh, God, that's good. See, that's the kind of stuff. That's that's the kind of stuff I'll be throwing out there. That's the stuff. Yeah. Pray. Pray. Oh, yeah. Pray. Yeah, I remember that. That's exciting, Josh. Are you excited about it? Yeah, I am excited, yeah. Oh, I should say another thing, Rob, on the school. Yeah, go on. Did I tell you about our parents' evening? No, how did it go? So it went well. It was a successful parents' evening. I'm pleased. Yeah, is she great? Oh, they'd said they'd never seen anything like it. (laughs) No, they didn't. That could be taken in both ways. <laughs> they said she's so good they like to remove her from the school. But I don't... <laughs> yeah, we can't deal with a brain like this. Yeah, we can't. <laughs> Let's get rid of her. Yeah. But we had to sit on the small chairs. Oh, that's a power play. No, so did the teacher. Really? Was that for everyone or just for you? Because they saw you coming in. So we went into the classroom. She was like, take a seat. And the seat was like, it was like a hobbit house. <laughs> Quite enjoyed it. But anyway. Did you like it? It feels fun, doesn't it, on the little chairs? I felt like we had 20 minutes and I felt like we didn't have enough. 20 minutes is a long time. Yeah. But you felt you could have done longer? No. I felt like we've done some interviews on here, Rob, where you're watching the clock. Oh, so you were a bit bored at 20. No, I wasn't a bit bored. That's not what I said. Okay. I'm saying I didn't bring enough stuff to discuss. Yeah, when they go, any more questions and you sort of like... Yeah, I'm like, oh, shit. I haven't got any more questions. So did you ask any questions? Rose, Rose has lots of questions. I'll be honest, I was a bit of a passenger. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but she's fine, is she? She's getting on all right, your daughter. All good, all good, all good, all good. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Oh, well done. Um, do you want a bit of correspondence before we bring on our guest? Two pieces, please. Here we go. Daylight saving slash more tired than Josh feature. 
Yeah. You're not actually that tired anymore, but this is the... No, I'm fine at the moment. Here we go. Last October, our baby was seven months old and sleeping so badly that my partner and I were doing one-hour shifts at night. Fuck that. Sorry. <laughs> there had been times when I had to do double shifts because my husband had slipped through his alarm. I think one hour's too short. What's the point? One hour's not enough, is it? Anyway, they're doing one-hour shifts. Yeah. Each to their own. There had been times when I had to do double shifts because my husband had slept through his alarm. So it's fair to say that he'd had one or two bollockings. One night I came down to start my shift and my husband went to bed, falling asleep immediately as his head hit the pillow. Minutes later, I hear an alarm go off and my husband, who was conscious not to sleep through another alarm, sluggishly came downstairs, ready to start his shift. He enters the room and says, that was the shortest hour of my life. He breathed a sigh of relief when I explained the clocks had gone back and he'd only been upstairs for five minutes. <laughs> God, an hour shift. That is insane. Shift. At least three hours. There's you've no point, to. is there? You've got to. By the time you've got to sleep, you're up again. Oh, my God. Anyway, Roisin and Rich in Dorset. Uh, parenting fail. Hi, Rob and Josh. I thought you'd possibly appreciate a top parenting fail that happened to me. I was trying to explain the flu vaccine, the one up the nose. Have you sort of had this yet where they spray flu vaccine up their nose at school? Yeah, I think she has. She definitely had a flu vaccine, yeah. Yeah, but it's a nasal spray up the nose. Right, okay, yeah. Anyway, so I was trying to explain it to my nearly three-year-old, so I showed him roughly how it would happen and made a pst noise, as if the little up the nose. However, this has translated to him running around telling anyone that will listen that I made him get piss up his nose. Oh, my God. Crying, I don't want piss up my nose, mummy. Don't make me. And telling his friend, mummy made me go to a lady who pissed up my nose. Oh, my God. Oh my God. <laughs> That's Rachel. Pst. Yeah. Pst. Um, oh, Josh, I need to tell you, I'm recording this from Tom Allen's house. Oh, yeah. It's exciting, isn't it? Has Lou finally made the big decision and left you? <laughs> Do you know what? If she did and I moved in here, I'd love it. Yeah. It's so nice. Yeah, I don't know if Tom would. It's so quiet. Yeah. And it's so clean and it smells wonderful, Josh. Yeah, I bet it does. And like, you know, when sometimes you go around like a friend's house. Yeah. And especially like a workmate, you know, we do the same job, essentially, me and Tom. And I'm looking around his house. I'm like, his house is so much nicer than mine. Yeah. And you know, when you work with someone, you're sort of at the same level as them at a job. You sort of start thinking yeah. about, what's it earning then? What's it, what am I earning? You know, you know that. <laughs> I was like, yeah, but he just hasn't got kids. Right? Exactly. He's got nothing to spend his money his on. His house is so much better than mine. And I'm like, why is it better? I'm like, because he hasn't got children costing him money. Yeah. I've yeah. seen the other side of it here. It's nicer. You could have what, I don't know, like... A lovely occasional table. <laughs> but instead, Rob, you've got a subscription to Disney Plus. Do you know what? It's the smell more than anything. Will you just get some fucking scented candles, Rob? No, it's no. A scented candles will not do enough for what my children produce in our house. Right. What do they smell of? Well, we've got a dog, we've got a cat, there's always someone having a shit. Yeah. There's always someone cooking something, something's getting spilt, something's getting cleaned up. You know what it's like with kids. Tom's life sounds sterile, Rob. Mm. It sounds sterile and boring. It's not. It's great. It's so calming. No, I know. Who was I trying to convince <laughs> there? I didn't believe yeah. it as I said it. <laughs> anyway, he's got a lovely house, so he's, he's very nice. He let me use his back room. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, a bit of fun. She's using your back room, Tom. Is that okay? Did you both have a big laugh about that when he said oh, that? Oh, yeah. Great laugh. Yeah. Good, good old laugh. Yeah. Uh, and then he'd done a funnier version of it to me, and I laughed at that more. Yeah. Basically, because that's a yeah. very funny man. Yeah. Um, Josh, should we bring on our guest? Yes. Oh. Yeah. Trigger warning. Not really a trigger warning. It's the opposite. Email warning. Okay. We talk about something that our guest's child said as a three-year-old. Uh, we won't ruin it. But 
We'd love your emails if you've experienced similar things. Yes, with a child confessing to a previous life. That's enough, isn't it? Oh, it's ruined it. Or maybe that's a tease. Yeah, that's a tease. Has your child confessed to having a previous life? Yes. Yeah, but don't just say yes or no. Give us the details. Has your child been reincarnated? Yes, they have. Let us know. Yeah. Uh, Here's Dan Schreiber, very funny man. One of the QIVs, research elves, no such thing as a fish podcast. And he's got a brilliant book out. And he's a very funny man, Data 3. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Dan Schreiber. Hello. Thanks for having me, guys. We are very excited to have you, Dan. Well, I've not seen you for ages. We've gigged together years ago, and then you've gone on to massive success with No Such Thing as a Fish podcast. Do you still do stand-up, Dan? No, I haven't done it. I do it as part of the podcast because we do... We do live shows and we have a first half, so I sort of put a bit together for that. Yeah. But but you and I, we were actually flatmates in Edinburgh many years ago for about a week period. It was like a week. Where, where... was that? Which one was that? <laughs> Could I just say, I've never been more pleased the cameras are on because Beckett's confused face at that point has <laughs> blown my mind. <laughs> How do I not know you was my flatmate? <laughs> Fuck. Was it that Hills Jago's flat? Uh, no, no. I was staying with Eric Lampere and Reese James and Lloyd Griffiths and you came and yes. you just crashed on our floor for a yes, week. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. So do you? Do you? I do now. But basically Lloyd was up there staying with you and Reese. But I remember I just slept on Lloyd's floor for five nights, but I was pissed for five days because I didn't do a gig. I just came up on a jolly. And yeah. I remember now seeing you sort of in the kitchen. Did I give you any money for that? No, I don't think so. No. <laughs> And there's, there's always been a mystery about this house. There was, I remember coming home one day, I think this was in the period when you were staying with us, yeah. where I went to the bathroom and up by the bathroom, there was a sort of like hand towel bit just by the sink where yeah. you could, you know, wipe your hands. I was looking at it one day and it was just smeared in shit. Like just like flat out someone had wiped their ass on it, but then just put it back. I blame Lloyd. That is unbelievable. Sorry, I need to apologise because... Well, because of the towel? No, so I think the problem me and Lloyd had in the world of comedy was we're not geezers in our world of Grimsby and South East London. We're the the lovey-dovey. So we sort of assume that we aren't being that badly behaved. But then I think, actually, (laughs) we were awful. Well, I'm sorry, but... If in Grimsby, wiping your ass on a towel and putting it back is the lovey-dovey world... Then no, they save the towel for best in Grimsby. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Dan, it's great to see you again after showing you a flat that I forgot about for five nights. <laughs> is it flatmates if it's five nights, though? I think so. Yeah. Well, I, if I meet someone, I tend to say they're friends. Like, Josh, I've only bumped into you twice, and I'll say, my friend Josh. Like, I just, uh, yeah. I just do that. Why not? Why not? The fact you know you've bumped into me twice, you've got an encyclopedic, I mean, encyclopedic knowledge of when you met people. Rob did sleep on your floor for five days, so you should know that. <laughs> so, Dan, can you introduce us to your, how many children have you got? Let's get this out first and foremost before we crack on. I have three kids and I heard my third kid 12 days ago. Oh, no! yeah. my word. I'm fresh. Yeah, third time. It doesn't get any easier. I've worked no. out. No, who knew? Yeah. Oh, that's good to know because when you've got two, you sort of think, well, yeah. we're so good at it now. What's another one? Yeah. All the stuff that I forgot has just come back. The sleepless nights that I thought, God, were they this bad last time? And oh, I spoke to man. a friend and they said, yeah, you were this out of it the other time as well. <laughs> oh, my God. It just doesn't get easier. But now you've got two little ones to deal with as well at the same time. And they're sleeping patterns. And so I've got a five-year-old, a two-and-a-half-year-old, and then now a 12-day-old. Oh, fuck so talk me that. through the last 12 hours of your life from 11 p.m. last night to now. You sure there's not just shit on your towel and you're thinking <laughs> it's from the flat? <laughs> 
Okay, so the first thing I forgot happens is that you dread the night in a way where the lack of sleep becomes so great yeah. that when you first wake up for the first feed and it's something like 2 a.m., you kind of go, thank God it's 2 a.m. At least we're a bit into the evening. <laughs> Last night was the horror of waking up and discovering it was 10.30 p.m. Oh. and already feeling knackered oh. and being like, fuck. And so, yeah, it was a long one last night. And then we've got two kids who still come into our bed all the time. Mm. And so we're dealing with this kind of jigsaw piece of how do we, because we have Kit, my new son, in the bed next to us. New son. <laughs> my latest my son. New one. Yeah. My new EP. My new drop. Is, is it right you're promoting him on this, yeah? <laughs> That's what you're plugging. I've got this new son, Kit, yeah? He's available to you babysat at any time. It's so, I mean, the reason we tried for a third kid is because we wanted a little girl. We thought that'd be really nice. And so, oh, that's good for him to hear in a few years, isn't it? Yeah, I hope he comes back to these shows and understands how loved he is. It's quite funny, actually, because we went and we got a private scan to see if it was a boy or a girl. And we hadn't told the person doing the scan if uh, that we'd had kids mm. before. And so she did this big thing where it was a big reveal with, like, lights. The whole room went blue. Oh, and, oh, and she was cool. like, oh. I know, it was like a real kind of, like, 4D experience yeah. but she went it's a boy and both me and Fenella just went oh fuck <laughs> <laughs> we <were> just <laughs> she was yeah so confused are you gonna go for a fourth then continue the hunt for no <laughs> well god no give it a couple of years chase it down I know because we'll forget you're right we will forget and then just go again and then have another boy Yeah, but you're so positive and relaxed, Dan. Because, like, yeah, we've met, obviously, we're flatmates, but... Obviously, we're flatmates. Obviously, that goes without saying. <laughs> that goes without saying that we were flatmates. Get out of there, we're flatmates. The old shit smear sisters, you know, me, Beckett and Schreiber. <laughs> old Shrez, Beckett and Schreiber. Back on the sofa again. <laughs> but um, whenever I come yeah. away from gigging with you, I'm like, I feel happier now because ah. I've been in the company of Dan Schreiber. So how are you still this jolly with a 12-day-old son? Uh, yeah, no, I guess that's just my way of being, really. I'm fairly happy. I really related when I've been reading and listening in the sort of like, I'll listen to a chapter and then go back and read bits of your book, Parenting Hell. And oh, there's so much. much I relate to, particularly the chapters with both your wives talking about the relationship that you guys have with your kids versus the relationship within the family household. It's exactly the same thing. <laughs> that makes me worried for you, Dan. <laughs> yeah, <well. laughs> But I know where you're at, so I'm there. That's the same. <laughs> We're all in the shit. So let's rejoin you. It's 10.30pm. Yeah. You've just woken up for the first time. Yeah. How long did it take to get back to sleep? So first was because we're bottle feeding my son because we had the most chaotic of mastitis cases my wife had in our first child. Oh, that's brutal mastitis. Yeah, man. Like she has it to a level where doctors are like, I've never heard it this bad whenever we talk oh about God. it in midwives. It ended up in surgery. Oh. oh, She had an abscess that formed in her breast oh. had to be taken out. It was horrific. Can so, I do a quick ignorant bloke thing here? What's mastitis? Yeah. Is that something to do with the nipple and breastfeeding? Yeah. Right. It's the milk ducts, they get clogged up. And it's breastfeeding generally, and yeah. it can happen with multiple things. But yeah, it's when breastfeeding turns into a nightmare, okay. and a lot of women suffer from it. That's a great Channel 5 show, isn't it, when breastfeeding turns into a nightmare? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we bottle feed now. So the first thing at 10.30 is the negotiation, who's doing the feed yeah, to yeah. begin with. And that's a quick negotiation because I lose. I <laughs> <laughs> have to do it. Actually, Vanilla will do the sort of like 2 a.m. and the 4 a.m. ones. Yeah. The real hardcore ones. So yeah. I shouldn't complain yeah, that about that. that is the hardcore session, that, isn't it? Yeah. 
I mean, they really are as well. Those 10 p.m., 6 a.m. pussy slots <laughs> that you're strolling around in tribes. <laughs> Pussy slot sounded disgusting. <laughs> is this the kind of stuff you do on No Such Things of Fish with the QI guys? Yeah, this is, this is yeah. Can't wait to get you on. <laughs> but no, I mean, that's kind of what it is, right? There's not much story to tell. You just get up, you feed, and you get back into bed. Yeah. And he's really kind of the burping. I thought I'd nailed. I thought two oh, kids now, I'd nailed how it. to do that. But it's just, they've each got their own ways. Fuck burping. Yeah, man. It's impossible. Yeah. I just don't believe it's possible. <laughs> and anyone that can do it is just fluke. They were just going to burp anyway. You've just fluked it. I just I just don't believe so it's... you think fl- it's a lie? I think it's a lie. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Winding's a lie. Yeah, this is my moon landings. <laughs> this is the, uh, this is the hill I'm going to die on. <laughs> I just can't do it. Can you do it? No, Rob? I sort of, they all looked uncomfortable. So you sort of like lean them on your, your hand and then rub their back. And I sort of agreed. I was like, I more did it to show Lou that I was trying. Yeah, exactly. But as I was doing it, I was like, this is, this cut. <laughs> I've never had to do that as an adult to burp. No. And they're just little adults, aren't they? <laughs> to a point. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> to a point. <laughs> Every child's a little adult, right? Do you find, though, Dan, because obviously it's your third, like, when you say it's quite, obviously it's labour-intensive getting up in the night and you're tired, but it's quite easy. But then do you think that's just because you're not psychologically worrying about it because you're more relaxed because you've had two already? Yeah, I'm way more relaxed this time. The first two, I was convinced that he would stop breathing in the middle of the night, so I found it impossible to go asleep. Yeah. We'd have to check him every two seconds. I've lost that bit to an extent now, but I'm I'm definitely a nervous dad. I think mainly because I'm just really shit in life. That idea that we're looking after a tiny little vulnerable child, and he came three weeks early, this one, so he's tiny. Oh. My whole thing is it, once they get to that size where they feel unbreakable, then you can relax a bit, but when they're still floppy, it's, yeah. it's just nerve-wracking. Yeah, I like a baby sort of tiger loaf size <laughs> you know that tiger yeah, breath yeah, yeah, just that yeah. sort of like along the arm rather than like yeah. a little sort yeah. of sort of yeah. floppy underbaked tiny french dick I like yes exactly sort of quite bulky and solid then i can relax a bit more yeah agreed so when we booked you on this podcast you thought you were going to be talking about having two kids no we knew we had a c-section coming up oh oh sorry but you had it three weeks early yeah sorry Oh yeah, exactly. And yeah, yeah, we yeah. had a we had a uh, emergency C section, and we had a planned C section. And our planned C section was one of the most chilled out things I've ever been involved in. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh, it's awesome, isn't it? I don't think they should have passed the ball around. I thought that was it. I thought that... <laughs> so the first kid I had, Wilf. He was born in 2017, and we were in Tunbridge Wells because that's where my my wife's family lives out in East Sussex. And so, Royal Tunbridge Wells, they'll make you say the in-laws. Royal Tunbridge Wells, right? The in-laws won't let you get away <laughs> with that. It's royal. They're very proud of that down there. <laughs> yeah, it's a cool hospital, by the way. You get your own room after you Ooh. have the baby, which is amazing. Ooh. So you get to hang out in there. But yeah, it was like a, you know, they said to us, bring your own music. You can play your own choice of music. And they asked me to bring it on a CD. No. I mean, it was 2017. (laughs) CDs were gone at this point. And so I had the stress the night before my son was arriving of sitting with my father-in-law trying to find CD burning (laughs) software that we could put songs onto. 
it was an absolute nightmare. He then snuck on like three eight minute long Bob Dylan songs without telling me. So we're sort of like hoping to nicely time the birth to one of our favorite songs. And suddenly Dylan comes on with Hurricane or whatever, some long ass song that he's got. Yeah. So this time round, we did the same thing. I spent the whole evening burning another CD, picking out the songs we want. I got in there, handed them the CD and they're like, what's this? What do you think? We're medieval here? Why do you think we get to Wait, mate. Five years ago, you were. What? Don't give me shit. And it was Bluetooth instead. And so I DJed while we were going. It was really nice. Because we only picked four songs and it took way longer. So I was going through Spotify, just picking new songs as we were. Amazing. Yeah. It was wicked. What song was it when the baby came out? It was one of Fenella's choices. It was an advert. He hadn't paid for the full subscription. <laughs> yeah, Lisa Mattresses. It was a. Uh, what, what was it? It was. Um, Cinematic Orchestra, I think they're oh. called. Build a Home. Yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll play it in. Because we're now, I should say, Spotify is a great app. We should add that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've moved. Yes. Congrats. I humbly back your choice to do that on Spotify. I think it's the correct decision, Dan. Wouldn't you agree, Rob? Oh, absolutely. So what I was going to ask is, because you've gone early again for your third kid, your older ones aren't in school yet, are they? So are they in nursery or have yeah. you got childcare during the day? Or is Fenella off work or is she not working? What's, what's the setup? How busy are you? No, yeah. So, no, Wilf is in infant school. Yeah, okay. So he's in primary. Yeah. And Ted is in a nursery, our second kid. Oh, yeah. that's good. So they're at school right now, Perfect. which is great. Yeah, that works out. And people will be wondering about your accent. So where were you brought up, Dan? I was born in Hong Kong. You were born in Hong Kong. And yeah, I thought I was getting a bit of a Hong Kong from that accent. Was that what you were? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hong Kong guy. <laughs> And then I was there till 13 and then I was in Sydney. So there's a bit of Aussie in there yeah. until I got here when I was 19. Yeah. And so how different is the schooling now sending your child to school in the UK? To I'll what? be honest with you, Dan, I thought it was American. <laughs> yeah, most people do. Oh, yeah, they do. Yeah. And I've lived with you. <laughs> <laughs> Can't believe it never came up while you were sharing a house all that time. And you can speak Mandarin. <laughs> Proficient, Wikipedia reckons. No, I used to be able to speak it really well. It's gone. But you could have just said you are. And no one would check on this podcast. Oh, yeah. There we go. Yeah, you have let it go a bit, to be fair. <laughs> bit rusty. Bit rusty. Never mind, mate. Don't let it get you down. So, where are you in London now, then? Yeah, southeast. I'm in um, Sydney. Oh, I'm just around the corner, oh, Dan. Of course you I'm are. Bromley. Every Bromley. comic southeast except yes. me. Yeah, Bromley boys. I've got three Bromley boys. You've got the big Sainsbury's there? Yeah. Where are you? You're southeast? I'm Bromley. Oh, cool. Nice. We're well close. We should have a play date, Dan. Mm. Seeing, you know, old flatmates catching up. That'd be awesome, yeah. Unbelievable. Josh, you're going to have Neither to... Neither of you live in London. Let's just get that very clear now. Josh, you're going to have to accept <laughs> you're going to have to move out of East London to enjoy your children. How did your postcode start, Dan? What two letters? <laughs> S-E. Oh, here he is. S-E. Oh, you are in London. What about yours, Rob? B-R, Bromley. B-R, yeah, because you're not in London. Bromley. Yeah, you're the London <laughs> Borough of Bromley. Oh, no, no. <laughs> So your your kids' childhood's going to be way more simple than yours. Yeah. And so do you think, did you enjoy moving around when you was that age or did you find it like quite stressful or did you just, was it just normal? Well, Hong Kong, I mean, it was only two moves, which it's not that big, but Hong Kong was a weird place to live because you had every culture smashed together. And I kind of look back now that I'm a dad, I kind of look back on how was I influenced not so much by the place I was growing up, but by my parents themselves. Because I think I'm definitely more product of my parents than mm. I was the places I 
grew up in. And I keep looking at my kids and thinking, how am I influencing them to be like, what's the thing that's going to stick that makes them turn into whatever they do in life? Because you try and manufacture it to an extent, like all the toys. Such a stiff neck. You're like me. We're nerds. We're trying to influence our kids. Rob couldn't give a fucking shit. Let him run free. (laughs) I just, to be honest, I think the less I have of me is probably for the best. Let them find their own little journey. Dad, your parents, both celebrity hairdressers. Yeah. (laughs) What? The least stiff neck job ever. What? Accidental celebrity. They met in Hong Kong as hairdressers. So my dad was from Australia. My mom was from England. They got together there and they opened up a salon. And there weren't really any Western salons there at the time in the late 70s, early 80s. And then Madonna exploded into Asia and everyone wanted Western haircuts. And they were basically the only Western salon there. So, yeah, they started anyone who came in. Like my mom would do Madonna's hair or when President George Bush Sr. came in, she would do like his hair and uh, let's do you know. Madonna that's the, that's the better end of the anecdote there Dan yeah. <laughs> well it depends what haircut Bush had if he had a Madonna haircut then that's a better anecdote yeah let's have a look at your head duck down Dan my hair is chaotic it's like I've rebelled oh yeah it's good though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So did you meet Madonna? No, I never did. I remember meeting Anna Nicole Smith. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. If I had to guess the name. <laughs> that's that's the memory I have, that one. What was she like? Well, actually, I, I was more interested in meeting her bodyguard because the movie The Bodyguard had just come yeah. out at the time. Oh, right. And so she had this huge bodyguard with her. And my dad was like, he's a bodyguard. And I don't know. I kind of just didn't pay attention to her. Are you and- sure you're straight, Dad? <laughs> I know. Because if an older 13-year-old boy live in Hong Kong and Anna Nicole Smith turned up, I don't think I'd be looking at her bodyguard. <laughs> Buff boy bodyguard, yeah. Raging hormone teenage boy. Here comes Anna Nicole Smith, the playboy bunny. Who's that big fella behind her? He looks nice. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm in the UK dreaming of meeting Anna Nicole Smith and not a sniff of meeting Anna Nicole Smith. <laughs> He just likes big burly blows. Yeah. <laughs> Kenny G. That was another highlight. Kenny G. But Kenny G. Kenny G. Yeah. But he had a long kind of thin mullet, didn't he? Did he? Yeah, he had he had longish hair down the back. Do you know no, Rob? No. He's the saxophonist. That was a tough job for a barber because from what I remember, there wasn't that much of it and he was making it last. Yeah, yeah Kenny G looks like a cockapoo, isn't he? <laughs> he does. I'd go to a dog groomers before a hairdresser's for that. <laughs> And did you ever consider going into the family trade? No, I I actually, I gave my son his first haircut, Wilf, and I assumed that lifetime of growing up in salons would have just sort of osmosis come into me. So gave him his first haircut, butchered him, like properly. I had to Zoom my parents and go, what do I do? How do I fix this? Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, just absolute nightmare so no i've got i've got no skills in the hairdressing world at all and are you passing on to them now i have met some parents that are they're academics and they're lovely people Mm. but i was out with them and their daughter knew too much for a five-year-old already right now you are a man of facts yeah your new book the theory of everything else a voyage into the world of the weird we will come to but i first want to ask are you someone who's kind of trying to pass on lots and lots of knowledge to your children or are you rob (laughs) (laughs) i'm rob are you yeah all i'm trying to get into them is the culture of stuff that i like so for example my son we were watching the tottenham hotspurs match with liverpool last night and wilf was looking at the uniform of tottenham and he said is andy kaufman on that team andy kaufman the surrealist 
comedian yeah. from... Yeah, the comedian who Jim Carrey played. Yeah, 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 that Jim Carrey played. He said that because one of the toys, one of the first few toys that I bought for Wilf was from Andy Kaufman's WWF period <laughs> oh, where wow. he was fighting as a wrestler. <laughs> and the toy is released where he's wearing blue shorts, white leggings and a white top. Oh. And... Wilf just assumed Andy Kaufman must be a... So that's what I'm passing on. So you're trying to indoctrinate them into your tastes rather than your knowledge. Yeah, exactly. I just keep buying them, like, they're toys. It's amazing. They're, like, literally mixing up Paw Patrol toys with Mork and Mindy toys. And So they're into, like, 70s culture, yeah. 70s American sitcoms and Paw Patrol. Basically 70s comedy, yeah. <laughs> I bought my daughter's load of wrestling figures, and they had one of Ric Flair and Macho Man, and they called it oh, nice. Daddy and Romesh. <laughs> <laughs> Macho Man's got quite the tan, mid-80s. Oh, that's awesome. I met Macho Man in Hong Kong. I interviewed him on radio when I was, like, no eight. No way. Yeah. More interested in his bodyguard? <laughs> I thought he was the bodyguard when you see him. <laughs> That's why he likes him. Yeah. Because, um, like, you know, you work on QI, you're one of the QI elves. Are you still doing that? No, not really. Because when the podcast started eight years ago, that really took off. And I was always really bad at the QI questions. I always came up with a lot of dubious crap stuff. That's what I'm saying. You're more of a, you're more of a loose neck in stiff neck clothing hmm. you are, Dan. Yeah. I'd say. You ride with the stiff necks, but actually you're pretty loose celebrity hairdresser parents yeah. lived in Hong Kong lived in Australia you're basically Nicky Clark who you won't know who it is because you didn't even grow up over it <laughs> Nicky Clark no I don't know <laughs> that's not the kind of reference he was our celebrity hairdresser oh, when we okay. were growing up yeah. Cool. Yeah. so you sort of stopped working as a researcher on QR when the podcast came out is that right yeah because that sort of you know we very quickly got a lot of listeners and we very quickly turned it into a live show and I just became obsessed with just trying to have as much fun with that as possible so yeah step mm. back from that and a few other things but I, I yeah I agree I am I love being around the academic types but I'm not really you know I didn't even graduate high school really I went to a weird hippie Rudolf Steiner school yeah. which um, I found out recently is not hippie but that that doesn't matter he was quite a racist but what school was it it's called Rudolf Steiner. Yeah, it's quite out there, isn't it? Aren't they obsessed with the number seven? Possibly. That would fit into it just as part of that kind of cosmic, you know, interest and stuff. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like, do you know Montessori, Rob? Do you know those schools where they kind of focus on the creative? Yeah, where basically the teachers can't be bothered to do a lesson plan. There you go. Yeah. That was my upbringing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just, let them, yeah, just let them do that for a bit. They'll be right. Yeah. I think I'm accidental, Monty Story. <laughs> but they just so happen to be sat in front of the football on a Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> they decided to watch that. That's fine. Are your parents a bit hippie-ish then? Yeah, we moved into a very hippie area in Australia called Avalon. And I was always surrounded by people that were sort of like either conspiracy theorists or new age kind of people. Yeah. I just kind of like that. Yeah, so Steiner was very much that. And will your kids do that kind of thing? Or? That's what I'm trying to work out because it's the other thing. You try and emulate your childhood to an extent mm. and go, well, that worked for me. Will it work for them? So should I do that? But then it turns out private schools cost so much money <laughs> that I don't know how I could afford to give them that kind of education. I'm going to try, though. You thought about cutting hair? Well, let's talk about your book. An attempt to get the money so that you can send them to a hippie school. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so your book, The Theory of Everything Else, which, I'll be honest, right, we get a lot of books sent to us, Dan. Oh, yeah. This one isn't going on my wall outside the house. <laughs> and that that is the biggest compliment I can pay. Oh, wow. They don't even bother sending most of the books to me. <laughs> I'll have this one, though. <laughs> So you cover loads and loads of different, it says on the front, ideas, beliefs, claims and facts in quotation marks. Yeah. It says, Dan, you covered whether ghosts exist. Oh, yeah. Do they? Well, do you believe in ghosts? I don't know, Dan. 
I wouldn't want to stay in a haunted house overnight on my own. Right. He can't do hotels on his own, never mind a haunted house. I can't do hotels on my own. So, really? He can't. He has to take a special pillow and he doesn't like it. Because I've got a bad neck. That's not a ghost thing. So, it's not that I believe in ghosts. It's that I'm not confident that they don't exist. Yeah. Okay. What about you, Rob? I don't believe in ghosts, but I believe in sort of the universe. This sounds a bit wanky, but it's sort of the stuff going on in the universe. It's sort of like you think your ego likes to tell you you can have an impact on the world, but a lot of the time it's sort of slight fate and slight you're a bit lucky with how the the penny drops kind of thing. Mm. And sometimes weird things happen and it sort of links up and you want to put a label on it. So you'll call it like a ghost. Synchronicity and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah that kind of you're stuff. Yeah. that. I love, that's my favourite thing. When I was doing the book, Synchronicity was my favourite. Anytime something feels like destiny has played a part, yes. even if you don't yeah. believe it. I read this story, which is in the book, which is that um, in 1981, Ronald Reagan, there was an assassination attempt on him. And as so he came out of a hotel, someone shot at him and his Secret Service guy quickly grabbed him and threw him into the back of a limo and they drove out of there. And they worked out during the drive back to the White House that he'd been shot. So Jerry Parr, the Secret Service guy, went against all protocol and he said, get him to a hospital now, which you shouldn't ever do with a president, a random hospital. They get him there. They find out that if they got there five minutes later, he would have died. So he managed to save the president's life and he was sort of heralded as a hero, sort of big character. The only reason that Jerry Parr became a Secret Service agent in his life is because when he was a kid, he went to the cinema to see a movie called Code of the Secret Service, all about the Secret Service. And he fell in love with the lead character, thought it was incredible, and then became that later in life. The actor playing the role of the Secret Service agent was Ronald Reagan. Oh, yes, please. No. So there we go. He saved himself. It's full circle. Yeah, I love it. He seeded it and... So that's what I'm... I'm into synchronicity. I didn't know what I was into. <laughs> Can I just say, of course it's a story from Dan about a bodyguard. What is... <laughs> <what's> <laughs> What is this all about? This bodyguard obsession. Exactly. It's all linking in and I'll wipe my ass on that towel for a story in a podcast in eight years' time at the Edinburgh Fringe. Yeah. But that's what I sort of believe. I sort of, these weird things happen and people try to explain it by ghosts, but that's a great one. I've got a good synchronicity story. Oh, yeah. um, we should probably talk about kids in a minute as well, but I'm quite enjoying this. Fuck it. Um, we're, going to, we're going to come back to where the ghosts exist as well, because I do need an answer on that. Yeah, yeah, we'll do, we'll do the ghost stuff next. Um, when I was going to do my first ever gig, I, like, oh, yeah. I applied to do a gig, and they went, yeah, literally did it on a Wednesday and up the creek. And I went, yeah, come down Sunday. And like replied on the Thursday, which never normally yeah. happens. Normally it's months and months yeah. for those sort of gigs. Will Briggs isn't very good at replying. No, exactly. You can leave that in. And when I asked him about it, he said he came back from Edinburgh and I was the, literally the, the last person that emailed him. Oh, so you were the... That's uh, how I got the gig. On the top of his emails, <laughs> by Because I said, how did I get this gig? It's my first ever one. I went, to be honest, you, mate, I was busy. It was the first email. And I said, come down Sunday. That's so good. And anyway, so I nearly cancelled it because yeah. I wasn't ready for it. I'd never done a gig before. My first ever gig, and it's a massive club. And I was waiting to pick my brother up from the station. I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And the radio, a song come on the radio, Ask by the Smiths. And yeah. it's like, one of the lyrics is, um, shyness is nice, but yeah. shyness can stop you doing things in life you like to do. Yeah. That lyric. And I was like, yeah, actually, I want to do it, but I'm scared. So just do it. So I went and did the gig, and just before I went on, in the interval, they had, like, a playlist on. That song oh. came on, and I heard that oh, line. Oh, my word. This was, like, in 2009, yeah. not like a chart song. It's not even one of their biggest hits. Yeah. It wouldn't be in their top five songs on Spotify, the best, the best app. And it's not a song that you put on 
on a playlist for a night out. No, no, exactly. It's not, you know, yeah. So it was just, I was just like, bloody, and that's always sort of stuck with me, those little weird moments. And I think people try and label it, but maybe synchronicity is the right thing, whatever it is. But yeah, that's what I believe in. But ghosts, are they real or not, Dan? Well, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if they're real or not. <laughs> it's the same thing with synchronicity. They're just fun, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. And they've influenced the world. Have you got a good ghost story in there, Dan? Well, I've got a thing where it's uh, the paranormal and the kind of the occult. I've got stuff in there. Hit me up with that. Hit me up with that. Mm. One of my favorite things is is the Beatles, right? Oh, so Ringo Starr. Yes, please. Here we go. Here we bloody go. <laughs> Ringo Starr. <laughs> do you know why Ringo Starr has such a unique drum beat? No. So he's known to have this thing where he's got the Ringo swing. Yeah. It's where his drum beat is just ever so slightly out of time. It's yeah. just like a millisecond lazier. So in studios, people like Dave Grohl will say like, they'll yell out like, give us more Ringo, which means get a bit looser with it and yeah. so on. So the reason that Ringo has such a weird, unique drumbeat is because his grandmother performed multiple exorcisms on him as a child to get rid of his left-handedness and expel the devil out of him. Oh, no. So that that is the only reason. So what, what he? How does that? Yeah. So she was known as the Voodoo Queen of Liverpool. Right. That's oh, what he God. called her, and she was obsessed with the idea that left-handedness meant you had the devil inside you did the exorcisms on him as he started learning the drums. So he bought a right-handed kit and was drumming right-handed. But then when he moved out of home, he went back to being left-handed, but he kept a right-handed kit. So he drums backwards Uh, on a drum kit, right? And in order to drum to get to the toms, if you're leading with your right hand, that's a really easy way. But if you lead with your left, you have to go underneath. And that little underneath bit gives it that millisecond delay. That means the Beatles have their beat. That's what gave it to them. Wow, that's amazing. Exorcisms. Yeah, that's one that I like. That's great. Do you know what? Fuck parenting. Let's just talk about the book. (laughs) Give us some more. Give us some more. Okay, actually. I've got a couple more. Uh, Yeah, sorry, go up. I've got the Shane Warne one. Have you heard of the Shane Warne one? Have you seen his documentary? Because he's got incredibly strong wrists and massive hands and it enables him to probably spin a ball so he could really do that spin in cricket. And apparently he broke his legs when he was a two-year-old. So his dad built him like a little... Um, skateboard. Oh, the wheelbarrow. Yeah, like wow. the wheelbarrow. And he used to pull himself along with his hands yeah. on this little skateboard to get around on this because he couldn't walk and he was only two and wanted to play. And it built up these huge wrists that really were powerful yeah. when he was doing his cricket. So cool. Wow. He was amazing. I saw a clip yesterday, last night, about Freddie Flintoff when he was on Jonathan Ross's show, and he was talking about how ahead of one of England's matches, someone told a ghost story, and he got so petrified that he had to get into bed with one of the other players and spoon him all night because he was worried. Do you know, I once stayed in a hotel that was so scary for like to share a room. Because it was just, it was just too scary. Sounds like a Me Too story. No, it was consensual, separate beds. Do you know Dan Aykroyd? It comes from a family of ghost hunters, like actual ghost hunters. Oh, does yeah? It? They used to do seances and all that sort of stuff. And so him writing. So is that where Ghostbusters comes yeah, from? Yeah, it comes from him not parodying it. It's him having total knowledge of it, and he claims that he once woke up in bed with a ghost sleeping next to him, and he thought, "What do I do? I'm not sure." And so he spooned it and just stayed the night. With with the ghost, supposedly. Well, come on, Dan. It's what he says. It's what Dan <laughs> Aykroyd says. <laughs> and check this out. I only discovered this the other day. It was too late to put in the book. I have a bunch of other ghost stuff in there. But yeah. Ghostbusters, you know Slimer? Yeah, yeah. That green famous ghost in Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah. The guy who was designing it couldn't get it right. And it came to a deadline and he needed to get it done perfectly. And he claims he did a lot of drugs and was trying to design it the night before it was handed in. And the ghost of John Belushi, who was one of the yeah. big American comics of Blues Brothers and so on, came to him and posed for him. And Slimer is based on the ghost of John Belushi. Oh that is God. in Ghostbusters. <laughs> it's mad. <laughs> 
But listen, hey, on kids stuff. Yeah, let's. Uh, we'll just say that's the, yeah. the theory of everything else, uh, which is out now. Is it, Dan? It's out now, and it is, I'll just say, it's one of those books where I just basically found stories like the ones we've been talking about that you can tell in the pub, in the dinner table. It's got, oh, it's just perfect. all those stories that gives perfect. you goosebumps at the end of it. That's, A lot of bang for your buck. Yeah, exactly. How are you finding these stories? We will get back to parenting. Just last question, last question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you discover all this stuff? <laughs> just... I'll make them all up. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all complete bollocks that's the thing it's so hard to work out what's true and not true because so much of it is just like there's a chapter where a guy worked out that we could talk to plants because he was the cia's guy who did lie detection machines Mm. so he was the first guy to do polygraph and he attached a electrode to one of the leaves of a plant and he started communicating with it because it started responding on the the machine Mm. and he thought what the fuck is going on here And he worked out that there was a kind of telekinesis connection between him and the plant world. And this was a huge boom in the 1970s where everyone, like the reason everyone talks to plants now is basically because of this guy from the 1970s thinking that there was communication. But he thought we could start a police unit, like an, an elite unit who can catch murderers because he had two pot plants in a room and he had six people lined up to come in the room and only one person was going to go in and basically murder one of the plants. And then that person was not going to tell the others that they'd done it. So it was a sort of who did this. They all then came in a lineup and the one remaining pot plant that was in the room picked it out, picked out the murderer in a lineup using the polygraph. And he thought, fuck, We've got plants that can discover who the murderers are now. We should get this out to the police. We should start an elite force. It's like all these kind of like... But then you read the story and you're like, where's the truth? I mean, there is no truth in it, right? Because it's mad as shit. But it's informed the world and changed the way that we all are now with plants. That's amazing. But I don't know what to believe in these stories. Dan, I I love these stories, but how bored is your wife of them? Oh my God, she hates them. She (laughs) hates them. Yeah, yeah. But she's in the book. She's in the book because weird shit happens to her all the time. She's one of those people that as soon as someone comes up to her, they just tell her their weird story. We had a a plumber come over. This was during lockdown. And he came in, said hi. And Fenella showed him into the bathroom. And I went to the kitchen to make some tea. She came in three minutes later and went, God, what an interesting guy. I was like, oh, yeah, how so? She went, well, he was born in Kazakhstan. And apparently when he was a kid, he was sitting in a field and an eagle swooped down, picked him up and flew away with him what and it's like <laughs> hang on you were with this guy for three minutes how did you get this story and i i asked him and it, it was true he said he said his mum fortunately saw the eagle flying off with him grabbed a big stick and was able to beat the eagle Fuck down <laughs> and like a lot of people say that's not true but a few years back before this story i did meet a guy who was a eagles who steal children expert <laughs> and i saw a file of his so i know that it is a thing that happens but wow. so she's actually more a magnet for the weird stuff and one thing that i didn't put in the book and i'll be curious to see if you guys had this with your kids because i put this up on twitter and the response i had to it was thousands of replies from parents globally talking about a similar thing so this is the tweet i put up this was in august 19th 2021 interesting bedtime chat with my three-year-old tonight daddy i had a family a long time ago and my mummy was called socky and i was called anki but then i died and now i'm with your family oh my god Oh, God. I listened to a podcast about, like, a a previous life thing. Yeah. And they had all the details and stuff, and it all checked out, and there were kids, and it was weird. It was so weird, because I don't really necessarily believe in that kind of stuff. I've not had that. It would freak 
me the fuck out. We were so scared. He was asleep. We were just reading in bed and he just sat up and then he uttered that sentence. And I quickly got my phone out and I've got a recording of the rest of the story of him just telling us, me interviewing oh him God. and him explaining oh God. where he was. And He's stressing me out. Stressing me out. Oh my God. I'm stressing I'm biting me nails now. I'm panicking now. <laughs> I've sat on one foot. I've sat on one foot. <laughs> you sat on one foot. He whipped the foot up under his bum. Oh, well, maybe that's true. Maybe we do have other lives and we're just a consciousness and this body is just a vessel for a bit. <laughs> Guys? <laughs> no, I've sat under my foot now as well. So weird. what did you do? Did you research it, Dan? No, I, so I recorded him and... Did you ask him to spell Socky? Because that could be spelled in a variety. No, he started, when we were interviewing him, he started crying, like getting really emotional oh, when he said, I was left, I was abandoned and I was alone. And it was really hard to work out where to push him in the conversation. And he was three. He's three. And so I put this up on Twitter and honestly, thousands of replies. It still comes virtually every day, even though it's a couple of years old now. People saying, I was in a taxi cab in New York with my son and we were riding through and he, and he pointed out the window and said, I used to shop in that pet shop. And it wasn't a pet shop. It was a delicatessen. But then the taxi driver went, oh, my God, that is insane. Ten years ago, there was a pet shop oh, there. Oh, fucking hell. And it's not there anymore. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm getting all itchy. I'm rubbing my nipples and I don't know why. <laughs> I do that when I'm nervous or excited. So you guys haven't had that with your kids yet? You haven't had the past life? No, I don't want to have it with my kids. I'd be terrible. <laughs> So I, I know you're going to offer a mealy-mouthed response to this, but do you believe it? No, I don't. No. No, no, no. Oh, you don't? <laughs> you, don't you think it's all bullshit? I don't know what it is. It tends to be... Someone who follows me did a chart of all the people that replied with stories and worked out that something like 80% were people who had three-year-olds. It was in that gap, in that, wow. in that vicinity. We're through it, thank God, with one of them. <laughs> yeah, you've passed it. Yeah, just put a lid on it. Keep it quiet. Don't scratch the surface. That's what I say. It's always the best approach. <laughs> so did you have a lot of followers that sort of, because obviously with the QI and then the podcast are quite into facts. You said one of your followers like did a chart and analysed the data on that. Yeah. And, you know, I've got a few followers. I don't think any of them would do that. <laughs> <laughs> Is that Josh who does that for you? <laughs> He does like a stat to be fair. Yeah. I love a stat. That's really interesting. And so how did you deal with it with your kid? Well, did it come up again? Did you chase it down again? Yeah, I did. Because I was interested to see how the story would change days after. And it didn't. The name stayed the same. But then I think it then turned into a performance because he is still a three-year-old. So yeah. you, you're suddenly like... If he's getting attention for it. Exactly. Yeah. He'll think, this is a fun story. So we were out in, I think it was a Hastings area and he pointed at a building and said, oh, that's where my old family was. And we're like, come off it, mate. We're, yeah. we're done. We're done. <laughs> we're over this. Fucking hell, change the record. You had your moment. Come off it, mate. Yeah. Imagine saying that to your kid. Come off it, mate. Cut the shit. <laughs> Dan, have you um, got any holidays booked with the newborn? Are you putting a line on the holidays until they're older? No, we're going to go back to Australia in... My brother's getting married next October, so that's that's the first Ooh. biggie, I think. So you'll be flying with a six-and-a-half-year-old, a, a three-and-a-half-year-old, and a, a one-year-old. Yeah, and <laughs> the prices <laughs> to get back to Australia. No one told me this about parenting, and I assume that everyone must have known it, but I didn't realise that once you become a parent and your kid goes to school, you now live in the most expensive bit of the world. You can only travel when you're going on school holidays, which is yeah, when yeah. everyone's travelling. Like Everything is at its peak cost in yeah. order to be someone now who exists in the world. And I didn't realise that. And <laughs> You've got to buy five yeah, seats. Five, five seats. seats. <laughs> to Australia. 
Oh, and you're going to hate every moment of that journey. Uh, like the journey, not once you're there. Yeah. You don't really want to go back for that fucking wedding, let's be honest, Dan. Since Zoom's <laughs> arrived, I think we could get away with that. <laughs> Yeah, it's my brother. I can watch it. He don't care that much. Yeah, we went back in March of this year, so we had Wilf and Ted. Ted was under two because that's another thing. When you know you start paying for tickets when they turn two, so it's a scramble just to get in as many as possible. Yes, yeah. that last one when they're still on your lap, but then you've got a twenty-three month old on your lap. <laughs> it's this boulder, and they don't want to be there. They need a chair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, God, the first flight that we did was the first leg because in COVID times as well you can't really stop in the countries you'd usually stop in because of COVID restrictions in Australia. So we had to fly direct to Darwin, which was was a 16-hour first leg flight. 16 hours. So even though the kids were amazing, the kids slept for 10 hours on the first leg. (laughs) And there's another six hours. Even if your kids are perfectly behaved, it's still awful. Yeah, it's still (laughs) chaos. Yeah. And the fights that my wife and I ended up having, on we get on really, really well, but like we were pushed to a limit. And when we got off the plane, everyone was like, oh, the kids were so good. And we were like, were they really? And, they, and one guy just went, the parents were not. <laughs> and apparently we were so chaotically yelling at each other. Just like, every time I sat down, Fidella needed just another thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. why don't you tell me when I open the fucking thing? Exactly. It's because it was a 16-hour flight. We bought, like, all these activities. It didn't use any of them. Oh, but, like, God. you know, there, as a result, there was, like, 20 bags, 20 different things that I had to fucking navigate to find the... And that is definitely a dad job, isn't it? The bags. Uh, it was, honestly, it's the most stressful thing and not for the kids. Getting it out the top. Yeah. What we do is we get, like, a wheelie case and then we put their backpacks in the wheelie case because they never wear them. They'll never pull their own bags. We mm. get, like, one wheelie case that I'll push along and we put their backpacks in that so it's easy to get to. Because when you're trying to carry a kid's backpack in your hands, it just... It's awful. Yeah. It's too many things. Fenella bought these ones where they sit on them and they can ride them. Trunkies. 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 Oh, yeah. But they don't sit on them and ride them. With Ted, who was under two. His legs didn't even reach the ground. <laughs> oh, the worst. I'm stuck with the trunkie with a two-year-old who's crying or under two because he can't move. Oh, my God. Just a nightmare. Whoever invented the fucking trunkie. Oh, mate. How long are you going to Australia for? Uh, I don't know. A couple of weeks, I guess. Maybe three weeks. Yeah. because... That's going to be interesting for, like, a jet lag as well with kids, right? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I have terrible jet lag, so that's fine. It means at least you're up in the in the evening. Right, and also, yeah, yeah. it's I'm around family, so we can just give the kids... We'll stay in the house, and it's such a beautiful bit. Do, have you guys done Australia? Yet? Yeah, I've been to, Rob's just about to go to Australia. Yeah, in the next couple of weeks. What are you doing? Are you touring? Yep, I'm doing Perth, Adelaide, Brisbane, Canberra, Melbourne, Sydney, then Wellington, Auckland, Christchurch. That's exciting. I That's... know, yeah, can't wait. So where are you from in Australia? Sydney. Sydney. Yeah, so in the northern beaches. We live right next to the beach where Home and Away is filmed. That's our local beach. Oh, Summer uh, Bay. Summer Bay, yeah. That's amazing. Have your parents ever done the... Uh... The hair of any of the cast of Home and Away? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Are they still celebrity hairdressers or now they're just normal hairdressers? No, they're now normal hairdressers. Yeah, the celebrity was in Hong Kong. Yeah. That's all done now. <laughs> they still have photos of Madonna on from like 40 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Hey, can I quickly say, I've mm. been listening, my wife and I, part of our 12 days of having our kid, every single night we've been listening to the audiobook 
of Parenting Hell. Yeah, thank you. Oh, yeah. It's honestly, we've been crying with laughter. Oh, thank you. It's absolutely amazing. I think it's one of the funniest books that I've read in years. Oh, and listen to it. Get the audio book. Oh, my God. Well, thanks, Dan, for listening to it. Yeah, thank you. It's so good. Guys, it's so good. It's so oh, good. thank you. Well, not as good as your one. Thank you. I was hoping. Yeah. <laughs> right, to be fair, this has been a book loving. That's more or less brought us to the end. We've got the final question, though, Josh. The final question, yeah. Final question. Yeah. What one thing does your wife do that annoys you that you haven't brought up, but were she to listen, this would be your way of telling her? And what one thing does she... How would you put this, Rob? I always don't know how to put the positive one. What's something she does that's absolutely amazing as a parent that you forget to remind her about or tell her because you sort of take it for granted sometimes? Mm, yeah. So the first one is she really needs to stop throwing away my retro toys that I buy for the kids. Yeah, I agree with that. So just because Michelangelo from the original Ninja Turtles series is missing a leg doesn't mean he goes in the bin. It's a precious toy. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, she needs to hear oh, yeah, that. Yeah. Can I suggest a storage lockup? Ah. We've just got a storage lockup and all my shit's gone in there. Yeah. The other day I went in to drop something off and I just sat on one of the chairs that was in there for an hour. And it was nice. Oh, you mean you didn't even play with any toys or anything? You just to get away? No, no, I just sort of sat there in the dark pretending I was sorting out my little box. And you just hung out in there like you're in solitary confinement? Yeah. Like you're Hannibal Lecter? Yeah. yeah. In just a warehouse. <laughs> It is a bit like prison. It was quite nice. It was a Sunday. It was really quiet. It sort of felt like the bleakest bachelor pad of all time. <laughs> so, so what's the what's the positive thing, Dan? What's the great thing about Fenella? Ah, she's instilled empathy and kindness into my kids in a way that I don't think I ever could have imagined myself doing. I keep noticing how polite they are around people, which is not what I am. Like, I won't say the formal sort of thank yous and pleases and and looking out for making sure that everyone feels like they've been served a drink. Like, she's so good at reminding them to look at the room around them and to make sure that everyone is included as part of the room with kindness. Yeah. Such an important thing to have kind kids. And I couldn't have put that into my kids because I'm, I'm just too busy just buying them toys. Whereas she's like, she's working <laughs> on the core soul of them. And yeah, that's the thing that she needs to hear from me more, I would say. Oh, that's lovely. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, man. Good luck with your book and the podcast. And thanks for coming on. Thanks, man. Cheers, Dan. <laughs> thanks, guys. Dan Schreiber. I love Dan Schreiber, Josh. Yeah, I'm really excited about reading his book. I think... It's absolutely my scene. He's one of the... Like, whenever you get a gig with him, I sort of leave happier. He's so positive, and he's always got loads of facts. I reckon he'd be a great person on a stag do just to sort of bond the two separate groups. You know, sometimes on a stag do, there's yeah. like the friends from home, the work friends, the uni friends, just him in the middle. Or he'd be the ideal person to live with and forget. And wipe your ass with his towel. Yeah, was that you? Absolutely not. I'd rather go out of a shitty arse than wipe my arse on someone's towel. There we go, that's the end of the episode. We'll be back on Tuesday. <laughs> I'll die on that hill. <laughs> Dan Schreiber, buy his book and listen to his podcast. Really good guy and very funny bloke. And uh, we'll see you on Tuesday. I'll see you on Tuesday, Josh. See you on Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Bye.